Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. My name is Jared alongside Mr. Mavs Draft himself, Richard Stamen. Richard, how you doing on this lovely Saturday evening? I'm cold. I'm not used to it. <laughs> yeah, I got down into the 50s here in Texas. Yeah, my Floridian blood is not used to that. So <laughs> Neither is my Texan blood. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm excited for the draft. It's what, three weeks away now? You tell me you're the expert. I don't know. I'm a bad expert. Maybe four. It's like three and a half. We'll go with three and a half. Sounds good. We're uh, we're recording this here on Saturday night, uh, October 24th. Um, I like to give the uh, give that little preface because I'm I'm bad about uploading on time. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, I had a milestone day. I voted today. Um, Somewhat shamefully, the first time I voted, but first time for everything. And, um, you know, encourage everybody else out there, if you haven't had a chance to go vote, uh, get that taken care of uh, early if you can. So you you avoid those long lines. I was in like five minutes in and out. Dang. Yeah, mine was like a 25 minute thing. Like it was a, it was a long one. Really? I, I heard, uh, like, the first day, they were, like, hours of waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then a, a guy I work with was saying he uh, it took him a few hours because he tried to go first thing in the morning, um, but so did everybody else. And he was like, <laughs> the polls were empty by, like, noon. Like, just go at noon. And that's what I did, and I was in and out. <laughs> Not bad advice. <laughs> anyway, we uh, we got two pretty interesting prospects today. Um, I think both guys who are, um, you love them or you hate them as prospects. And I I think they have some, some similar shortcomings, which we'll get to in a little bit, but the two prospects we're going to tackle today, um, Memphis, uh, forward slash big man, uh, precious Achua, uh, and Texas Tech guard Jemias Ramsey. So who do you want to start off with today? Let's go with Precious. All right, Precious it is. And by the way, uh, we've also, we're going to reserve some time at the end for uh, mailbag questions. Uh, Richard, I know you just put out a tweet, so um, we already got several responses. We'll try to get to as many as we can. Apologies if we don't get to yours, um, but hopefully we can get to all of them if we're if we're good with our time. So, all right, Precious, uh, like I said, uh, forward slash post out of Memphis. I got him at 6'9", 225 with a 7'2 wingspan. And even though he was a freshman, uh, he's 21 years old already, so a bit on the older side for a freshman. Played in 31 games, 30 minutes per game, uh, 49% from the field on 12 attempts. Shot uh, 32.5% on 1.3 attempts per game from three. Uh, 60% from the line on six attempts per game, about 16 points, 11 rebounds, an assist, a steal, and two blocks per game. So, um, Richard, tell me tell me a bit about Precious Achua. Well, I think first and foremost, uh, I, I was looking at, I remember his brother God's Gift, uh, which inspired me to think about what his other family members' names were. Uh, and I think I think we should go down the line, if you don't mind. Uh, so there's God's it. gift Achua, precious Achua. Um, there's God's will Achua and promise Achua. That's all the boys in the family. Like and then it. he has two sisters, Grace Achua and Peace Achua. So it is a colorful name, uh, family. So it's <laughs> it's got it, it's a it's a very unique. Uh, so he sticks out. Precious is not his nickname; it's his like actual name. Uh, but he's, you know, him and James Wiseman were the two I think that most people were watching for. Uh, for when, sure. Because they had a staff class. Everybody remembers that as. I mean, the Penny class was huge. Um, so he's he's a really interesting guy. I think he gets too much flack uh, for his short, shortcomings. Uh, I was down on him my first few times I saw him, but I think he made a, pro- a lot of progress as the season went on, uh, especially as a shooter. Well, I'm interested in talking about that then because I think I caught more of his early games. Um, so I definitely want to hear what you have to say about that. Um, and, and why don't we start there? Cause I, I do think the shooting will be a bit of a swing skill for him, uh, depending on how teams want to use him. So, you know, what, what do you like about his shooting and what needs work? So I don't think the form is horrible. 
um, the, I guess the way I had seen it was the first time, first few times I'd watched him in November, December, uh, pretty much all non-conference play. He was just, if you gave the ball to him in the corner, it was either going to be a very bad miss or it, it would just kill the possession. Uh, and as the season went along, you know, he was starting to hit a lot more shots just in a lot of different ways. His catch and shoot was improving. He wasn't airballing, uh, which I know that sounds like a negative, weird thing to say, but like going from missing everything to like getting in and out, it's a huge improvement. So uh, I, I've grown on his, his shot has grown on me, um, but I think. Uh, I think that is for sure his swing skill set because how even though he's probably switchable one through five almost uh, like you said seven two wingspan and he has incredible foot speed um, I don't know I think the shot definitely is uh, going to be what keeps him out of the league or what keeps him from you know keeps him in the league being a really good role player well I, I do think he's got uh, a solid enough skill set to carve out a role even if the shooting never really progresses but more so as kind of like a small ball um you know rim running five you know who just gives you um you know insane hustle and uh defensive versatility um you know but at the same time like for sure if if he can shoot the ball then you know he he can play some four right and maybe even a little bit of three if i I wouldn't i wouldn't love that but i could see it um you know, it's really interesting with the shot. Um, not a good free throw shooter. I, I'll take 32.5% from three right now. Um, you know, he's somewhat new to basketball. I think I was reading he really started playing, like, kind of going into high school, like maybe eighth grade. Um, but to me, the if you if you cut him in half from the waist up, it looks really good. It really yeah. does. The ball comes off his hands soft. Um, elbows tucked, high release, uh, good follow through, but his lower body's all over the place. You know, he'll be fading away with, you know, totally uncontested. Um, you know, he has that lean, his feet are, are never quite set correctly. So it's, it's the lower body stuff that I think is fixable, but at the same time, there's, there's so much going on that I'm not sure it will ever, you know, be something that that I'm going to be super confident in because you know old old habits die hard and when you have that many lower body habits that you need to break you know it's it's questionable for me yeah and I I don't think his jump shot is NBA ready by any means I think at most his jump shooting is going to extend to a little bit past the free throw line um I I do think like you said rim running is probably going to be his main uh skill set in year one. Uh, and, and he does have a long ways to go. I do think the final, I wish I, I wish I had prepared uh, before this to have said what his uh, splits were in conference and everything. Like, actually I'm, I'm pulling it up now. Uh, wasn't good. So never mind. Uh, my theory, <laughs> my theory is out the window. I thought he'd be like 35% or something in conference. He was at 30. So this is okay. out the window. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's consistent though. In, yeah. in that way, right? Like it hovering around that 32 and a half percent. So I think you kind of know what you're getting. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't project his shooting to be necessarily positive, but if he ever got to league average, um, then that really helps his offensive versatility. Um, and I know we just kind of talked about him as a rim running big, and there's definitely potential there because he's an explosive leaper off two feet. He moves really well, um, you know, above the rim finisher. Uh, are you concerned about his, you know, finishing kind of in traffic, though, if he kind of doesn't get a chance to build up ahead of steam? So my concern with him finishing in traffic is honestly his decision making. I think he's got the physical tools that it, uh, that he can finish over defenders pretty easily. Uh, and I think he shot like 64, 65% at the rim. So that's pretty good. Um, but his decision-making is going to be what ultimately decides how good of a finisher he is. Uh, I think his physical tools check out at a really high level for that. Um, again, it's just because a lot of times he's taken so many bad shots at the rim where he has two, three people on him. And, and instead of looking for the open man, taking an extra second, he forces it up and then he'll get his own put back and make the shot. And it's, and it's like, sure, you got the points, but I mean, there, there are a lot cleaner ways to have been able to do that. Um, so it's, 
again, I, I love the physical tools. I think he can be an above-the-rim player. Uh, I think he's got good touch at the rim. I just don't know if he immediately has the IQ, or I don't want to say IQ, but like the decision-making still skills to uh, to thrive as a finisher early on. I guess the what I wanted to get at was, does he have a left at, at, at the rim? That's true. You know, because I saw him attempt a couple, and I felt they were shots he should have made, um, and he didn't. Um, so if he doesn't have that left, you know, how much does that hinder him? You know, it's probably not – uh, the worst thing in the world, if we're being totally honest. But, you know, ideally, if if you're going to have a guy who's not going to be a threat from from downtown and he's kind of relegated to rolling, you know, then you need to be able to finish with either hand uh, and you can't just rely on alley-oops and dump-offs and, and things like that, um, you know, if you want to just be be a finisher around the basket. Right. And that's a fair point. Uh, now that you bring it up, I actually hadn't, for whatever reason, noticed the left hand thing that much, uh, which now I'm a, I'm a little bit ashamed of. Uh, <laughs> but, but like, I, I do think that if he's going to be an above the rim player, like, I mean, like you said, as a pick and roll guy, it's not always going to be just lobs. You know, not everybody's like DeAndre Jordan or something. Um, so, yeah, no, that definitely is an area, though, uh, that now you bring it up, it, it kind of comes back where he forces a lot of shots right handed that fundamentally should be left handed shots. Right. And but but that also comes back to what you were saying about decision making. And I think that's probably the next key for him that we need to talk about is, you know, how raw he is as a decision maker and how out of control he can seem at times, you know, coming down the floor with a head of steam. And you, you look at it and three seconds before it happens, you're like, oh, this is about to go the other way. He's going to throw the ball away or it's going to be a charge. It's going to be one of the two. Yeah. And a lot of times that happened. So, you know, what what do you think about him needing to kind of rein himself in a little bit, so to speak? Yeah, he, he definitely plays out of control at times. And the other thing is he gets tunnel vision. Like I said, you know, instead oh, of yeah. taking the extra second to look. I mean, there's the one game I remember, and for whatever reason, I didn't clip it. I don't know why. But against South Florida, in South Florida, there was a game where he had – it was a three on one. He was the ball handler. Instead of just making a simple pass in transition, he went straight up and I, and like got stuck and the and he just turned it over. Like and like you said, that kind of goes back to it. It's like you know he's gonna do one or one of two or three things, which is, you know, charge, simple, you know, live ball turnover, or force up a horrible shot. Um, which is something that whatever team drafts him, they're gonna have to be super patient with teaching him that. Because like you said, it's not that he's not a good decision maker. It's just that he's raw with it. Like, I mean, he's, he's only what, five, six, seven years into playing basketball. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's going to be huge for him. And I'm also wondering because, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier. It, it was a loaded Memphis class, but really it was headlined by Wiseman and precious. And the fact that Wiseman only played what three games, you know, before his season was over, I do wonder how much pressure he felt uh, to kind of be the guy, you know, even though it was a strong class and Memphis overall was a good team, you know, you, you still kind of maybe have those expectations on yourself. And I do think having a more, you know, a, a system where he knows coming in, you know, here are my defined roles. Um, you know, I don't need to put the team on my back. I don't need to be the leading scorer. You know, I can just do what I'm asked to do. Um, you know, I wonder how much that'll help him at the next level. Yeah, that's true, because there's no chance he'll ever be a first scoring option, I don't think, in the NBA. You know, he's not going to be the lead guy offensively. Uh, and that is a good point, because I think with a limited, more limited role, and assuming it's like a winning team, of course, uh, I do think that those decision-making uh, uh, I guess shortcomings could probably look a lot better pretty quick. So do you, I mean, so much of passing is decision-making, but, but what do you make of his ability to, to move the ball up and down the floor? Yeah, I like him as a passer. I think uh, I, like he, he can make some good reads. Uh, he can definitely make some good reads. It's just about consistency. I think, uh, like I said, you know, tunnel vision, uh, 
like sometimes when he's got good vision, it's a really pretty play when he's got his head down and kind of predetermines his moves just like everybody else. I mean, it's just not going to be as pretty. Um, yeah. So I oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I really liked how he flashed some of, you know, the hit aheads and, um, you know, the, there were a couple solid passes on, on film that he made, but I also felt it was too much of, you know, guesswork sometimes, which I think is what you were talking about with the, you know, predetermining his read. Yeah. Yeah. He would, he predicted exactly like he predicted what he thought the defense would do. And sometimes it was not how it would go at all. Like there were some games where I think he had like four plus turnovers and those are the games that had happened in. Right. Um, I think the other aspect of his game that, um, that is going to help him quite a bit is the ball handling, especially for, you know, someone who's as, as big as he is, it's not perfect, but he's definitely comfortable putting the ball on the floor, whether that's, um, you know, grabbing a rebound and, and pushing in transition, which he's, he's done several times and looks pretty comfortable doing it or, you know, attacking someone one-on-one off the dribble. I think he's comfortable going either way. And I think, you know, the, those are some skills that that will serve him well. And I think more so in transition than anything. Um, but but what do you think about the ball handling? Yeah, I like his flashes in two dribbles or less. Um, I, I On my scouting report I put out, you know, shooting is a mixed bag, especially off the dribble, uh, more so off the dribble than anywhere else. But um, there's been times where he just goes a one between the legs step back, and it's actually not horrible, and it makes it. Uh, and things like that where he's just quick. The quicker, the better for him. I don't think you want him taking four dribbles. At that point, it's going to be bad. Uh, but his overall ball handling, like for, again, like you said, for his size is pretty good. Um, so it's he's versatile, you know. Um, and it, that someone like that just doesn't come around too often. It's six nine. I think you said what seven two wingspan, right? Right. Yeah. Someone that big should not be able to do a lot of the moves that he does. Yeah, and and I think the other thing that I want to see him develop. Uh, to kind of improve on that potential offensive versatility is develop a post game. And I think right now the footwork's just a little too wonky. Yeah. And I do think having, because the first thing that will probably come to your mind if you hear, you know, hearing about post, like is that, you know, post up is dead, whatever, but really having like good post footwork helps everything. Like it's, I mean, it's a balance. Well, especially if he gets a switch. Yeah. Onto a smaller guy. Yeah, I mean, we see it with Porzingis all the time. I mean, he can't really post up smaller guys because he doesn't have post footwork. Like, right. yeah, you need that. And then it's a lost art. It's a definitely a lost art uh, that I do think helps other areas of the game. Yeah, it, it opens things up, you know, especially if he's not going to be uh, a three-point shooting threat. Um, but anything else offensively that, that you wanted to touch on. I know we talked the jump shot, the finishing, passing ball handling, anything else you wanted to, to reference? Uh, one other thing I meant to say in the ball handling was uh, he's good at bringing the ball up in transition. I think you touched on it. Yeah. Uh, but I do, I, I wanted to re- reinforce that. Like it's a, it's actually a pretty strong suit, pretty strong area for him, especially like when he looks to pass, it's a whole different thing when he's looking to score and looking to pass. Yeah. And I, I think transition in general is, is a plus for him. I, I think whenever, I mean, again, there are times where he needs to, you know, have have better court awareness. But for the most part, getting him getting him out running because because he moves really, really well. Um, And so if you have a guy like that at the five who can consistently beat his opponent up and down the floor, especially with the motor that he has, um, I think transition opportunities are going to be, you know, pretty important for his his offensive game. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, okay, so let's talk about him defensively, uh, because I think that's ultimately, if you're drafting Achua in the lottery, um, I think that's probably the most intriguing part of his game. So you do think he can guard one through five? Yeah, not now he's not going to be able to guard some of like the quickest guards, but I mean, there are some like average speed guards that I, I don't know how to describe it. You know, not everybody is John Wall, prime John Wall, you know, that's... Like that's right. a common misconception that like, oh, you can't John, guard John Wall. He's not going to be able to guard point guards. It's, it's such a horror. He's one of the he's one of the quickest people in the world. Like that's not a fair, you know, 
assessment. You can probably guard like Jalen Brunson, who is more closer to average than John Wall is. Uh, right. So I, I do think that he can switch on to guys that aren't uh, overly quick, uh, which is true of a lot of bigs in the league. Um, and I think that as he continues to add strength, which is just going to be natural in the NBA, I do think that he can guard a lot of uh, fours and fives. Not all fives. You know, he's not going to be able to guard. Uh, like I don't think he can guard like a DeAndre Aiden, Joel Embiid kind of guy uh, too well. But I think he could get, you know, like he could probably hang in there with Porzingis, you know. Yeah. Well, especially with his length. Yeah. And, and that's what's ultimately going to help him. He's already built pretty well and he's got those really broad shoulders. So I think he'll be able to add you know, mass to him and, and not lose any of his, um, of his mobility, which is obviously important. I think I'm most comfortable with him guarding threes and fours. Uh, I think he could switch down to twos, um, you know, if he had to, and I think he could go up to some fives, like you mentioned. Um, uh, he's, he's quick. I'm not sure he's necessarily got the, the proper, technique yet to hang with ones um but i think if he can develop that kind of utilize his his length and then i i think what the the best part of his defensive game is is his hip flexibility and his ability to sink and and really sit down in a stance um which is something that you really don't see from a lot of you know combo bigs yeah, and factor in the fact that he has an incredible motor. Like, he doesn't take plays off. Yeah. Uh, and for a guy who did a lot on offense, it was actually pretty remarkable to see that he probably did more on defense, which is a pretty rare thing, especially in today's environment. Yeah, and even after Memphis lost Wiseman, they were still one of the best rim-protecting teams in the nation. And I think Precious with his two blocks a game and, you know, obvious length and shot-blocking instincts and and explosiveness off the floor, you know, he definitely contributed to, to some of that. Yeah. And, and I mean, you think about the, the stuff that you need for, to be a high level defender, right. Especially as a big man, which are, um, I mean, quickness to be able to stay with really anybody, um, IQ motor. I mean, effort, I I feel like effort is probably the biggest thing on defense literally for any level of basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that also, Like, he's got incredible recovery ability. All of those check out. And even if he only gets three of those in the NBA, he's still going to be a high-level defender. Yeah, I agree. I I think the where he needs to grow the most in that regard is is the IQ portion, similar to the offensive game. Um, You know, some of it's technique-based. And then I think there were times in in rotation – where or maybe like scramble mode where he got a little lost he wasn't sure where he needed to be um but you know i think as a as a weak side rim protector he's excellent um i think in a in a structured system in a um in a scenario where he doesn't need to be in scramble mode he knows where he needs to be and he's there and and he's you know he's aware of it he's playing the passing lanes um he's you know tagging cutters uh, but at the same time, uh, I do think there are times where he gets a little lost. Yeah, and I, I think he reads a lot of plays well uh, on defense. I do think that it can burn him because he can overreact to a lot of things that are happening. Uh, but I do think that the upside on the IQ defensively is very attainable. Uh, I think that's something that he's going to have very little uh, time adjusting to. Yeah, I agree. Um, anything else skill wise that you wanted to talk about before we got into, you know, where you have him ranked and all that? He's a really good rebounder. Uh, we didn't oh, touch yeah, that, but he's a re- really yeah, good yeah. rebounder on both ends. Excellent rebounder. Yeah. I think he averaged like three offensive rebounds a game or something uh, out of his 11. So yeah, excellent rebounder. And, and again, that goes to yeah. wow. size, length, strength, motor. And that, that's a skill that's absolutely going to translate. Yeah, that is like the easiest tr- skill to translate in the NBA, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, anything else I forgot? That, that was no, a big that's, one. sorry, that's the only thing I got. <laughs> no, okay, thank you, thank you. Okay, so <laughs> I'm curious, where where do you have him ranked? Because I, I kind of have an interesting thought, but I want to hear what, where you have him ranked first. I'm, uh, it depends on the day. Right now on my board, I have him at 24, and I'm probably not going to change much, but I can see him in the teens. Like, there's a legit argument for the teens. 
Yeah, so I, I I have a like late first round grade on him. Um, at the same time, I wouldn't be upset if he went in the lottery. And and so the reason I say that is when you're just building a big board in a vacuum like we are, you know, you look at him and you say, I'm not sure I buy the shot. Yeah, the defense is great. I have some concerns about him as a finisher. You know, I'm not really sure what he is offensively. You know, I, where do I put that? And then at the same time, if you're building a team and he he fits very, very specific needs. And if those are some of the needs you need that 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 you want to fill, then how do you not draft him? Because he, he fits it so well. Um and there are certain roles that he can fill so well, like a rim running big, like an energy guy, um, like a defensive specialist where, you know, there, I think there are certain teams where you don't need the scoring, right? Like, like Portland comes to mind, yeah. right? Like I think their, their scoring is fine, but I think they could use that energy, that rebounding, that defense. Um, and is that higher than I have him graded yeah but i i think he fills those needs so well that it doesn't matter yeah i completely agree i thought you were actually going to say washington because those are easily the two teams and they're very similar where right. they're all in on offense like they just it's defense optional kind of style um just because they're just a running gun and uh i and i but do that think pressure too though because yeah. he runs the floor yep. so well you know what yep. i mean yep and those are two perfect spots for him and i completely agree uh, I, I don't think it's a reach to say he could go in the late lottery, the second half of the lottery. I wouldn't really have major issues just because those two teams, especially he fits. So per- even though Portland, I don't think they're not in the lottery. They're one or two spots out, but like those, those two teams are perfect for him. And I wouldn't have an issue, even though it's over slotting from my board, I would not have an issue with them going there. All right. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page there. Um, I guess we just kind of covered his best fits as well. Uh, <laughs> do you have a comparison for him that you like? I I've, I saw Jeremy Grant in yeah. a couple places, and I don't hate that one. Yeah, I have Jeremy Grant. It's too good not to have. The low end, uh, I went actually with a former Washington Wizard. And just because this guy, like, it's not a great one because this guy wasn't as dominant of an athlete. But they had a lot of overlapping traits, which is Trevor uh, Booker. Um, if you remember okay. him from – yeah, he was – it's an obscure one, but that was like the low end, which he still played like seven years in the NBA. So I I really like the Jeremy Grant one, though. That one's so hard not to like because you look at how Jeremy Grant has developed as a shooter, and it's probably going to be close to how Precious develops as a shooter. Yeah, or at least you would hope. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like he can be – and he's playable. Like he's a guy a ton of Mavs fans want uh, to be, you know, on the Mavs, and he doesn't have a jump shot. Yeah, and a little teaser for uh, for yeah, one may, of our mailbag questions. It may or may not so, have been a foreshadowing. <laughs> so we'll I mean. we'll save we'll save the rest of that conversation. But uh, any final words on uh, on Precious before we move on to Ramsey? Nope. All right, so that that wraps the book on him. Uh, so let's get into our uh, second player today. Uh, that would be I, I would list him as like a combo guard. Uh, Jamias Ramsey out of Texas Tech uh, got him at uh, 6'4", 6'5", 195. Um, I don't have a wingspan on him, but I've, I've seen 6'10 thrown around a lot. Um, 19 years old, one of the younger guys in the draft. Um, 27 games, 31 minutes a night, uh, or a game, afternoon games too. <laughs> 12 and a half attempts per game. 44% from the field, uh, 42.5% from three on five attempts per game, 64% from the line on three attempts per game, 15 points, four rebounds, two assists, a steal, and 0.7 blocks, actually. So um, Ramsey, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, um, I think has some similar shortcomings to Precious, um, but they're also, I mean, obviously one's a guard, one's a, a combo big, but you know, you were the first guy to mention Jamias Ramsey to me. So where where are you <laughs> now on him? Uh, I'm a lot lower than I was a year ago. I remember I wanted to see him at Duncanville. Uh, him and Micah Peavy, who is going to be another guy at Tech, 
I, I believe he's going to Tech, but they were teammates. They were stars in the state. Uh, and unfortunately, I just forgot. Um, so, <laughs> so I didn't get to see him in high school, but I'd heard, you know, great things from people who had. Uh, and I love his offense. I think his offense has a ton of upside. Uh, his defense is just I, – I don't have too much to say on it. Uh, it it's, a, it's a concern. And with the length thing, I've heard multiple things about that too. So I've heard 6'10", but like from the eye test and from other people I've seen, it's like plus two maybe, plus three. So I don't know what to make of it. And especially with no combine, it's really hard to say what it is. Because like in person, I don't know if it's the strength because he's really strong, yeah. but his arms don't look that long. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. If I had to guess, I would have probably said six, seven, six, eight. Yep. Um, but, you know, there are rumors for a reason, I guess. Um, so let, let's start with, you know, the offense. And I think that's the good with him. Um, and he's he's kind of a walking bucket, if we're being honest. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think um, as far as players who could potentially be available at that number 31 pick, um, I don't think you're going to find someone with, with that kind of offensive, um, not just upside, but what he can already do offensively, just, just in terms of scoring. Yeah, that's, I have scoring as his biggest tool uh, in my scouting report. I think that's easily his biggest, uh, biggest strength. He's a really good slasher, still needs to improve the left hand, uh, but he has all the physical tools too. Like he's a really good athlete. Uh, first step is nice. I think, um, and the jump shot, I mean, can't say enough good things about it. So I want to talk about the jumper because it looks phenomenal. I mean, it's it's textbook. Uh, he can get to it in a number of ways. He can come off screens and shoot off movement. Um, he's, he's excellent in catch and shoot situations. He is able to create his own shot um, because of that first step and, and the ball handling and the footwork. Um, but he shot 64% from the line. Yeah. And we always talk about how that's a really good indicator of future three-point success. But you also can't argue with the three-point numbers. So, like, what, I don't know what it was. Like, the, the shot looked fine from the line. Is it a concentration issue? Is, you know, is, is it something I'm just not seeing? Like, any, anything for you that you noticed? <laughs> so, I have three theories. Uh, and I think I just forgot one of them. So I might only have two theories by the end. Of it. But uh, <laughs> my first one is, you know, Ben McElmore, If uh, I don't know if you remember, but when he was coming out, everybody was in love with his jump shot. His jump shot has been like I, at the NBA. So I do worry about um, I do worry about how his jump shot like the 64 does scare me. Um, and I remember the third, actually. So the the jump shot form can be nice, but I worry that it's kind of like a mental thing, which goes into number two, uh, which I do think the free throws probably were mental. Uh, I think for someone with that form, it, it, it has to be. There's, it wasn't the touch, the form, anything like that, that because it doesn't add up. Uh, and then the third thing I was going to say was maybe it was the competition and just adjustment because most of his best games were against terrible teams in the beginning of the year. Uh, teams that just were mid-major, you know, they were in the WAC, the Northeast Conference. With all due respect, they don't have NBA talent. You know, there's like one guy combined in those two conferences. Okay. Yeah, I, I think those are all sound theories. Um, ultimately his, his stock to me, uh, kind of relies on the jumper. So yes or no, buy the jumper. Yeah, I buy it. I buy it. All right, good. I'm on the same page with you there. Um, I, I think in order for him to be a three level scorer, he has to be a better finisher has to be. Um, I, I thought. You know, he's he's an explosive leaper, but not in traffic to me. I felt like he could be a bit of a below the rim player in traffic. And and he kind of didn't really have the creativity. I would like to see more of him just get into the body of the defender and and stop and finish, Um, because when he does that, he's he's like unguardable. Uh, But there were times where he. You know. He just kind of fluffed it. Yeah. And I didn't know his percentages were so low. I just looked it up. He shot 52.5% at the rim. That's yeah. That's bad for a wing. Uh, it's bad for a guard even. Um, so I 
Yeah, that is a huge issue. And I do think as the left hand develops, he'll get better with that uh, because he forced so much at right-handed. And I remember taking that note down that I was like, dang, like, is it this bad? And then I watched another game and it was just the same thing. He just, he could go left, but he preferred to go like making a somewhat difficult left-handed shot was second to taking the comfortable right-handed shot over two people. Uh, and that's, I mean, we're going to talk a lot, a lot about decision-making, like it's inevitable. Uh, I do think those two things play a big role, the decision-making and the left hand. If you can improve at least one of them, uh, I think it opens a lot up at the rim. Yeah, the the shot selection holds him back as a score, right? Because as, yep. as impressive as some of the shots that he makes are, um, there's some stuff that you you can't really excuse. Um, and yeah, you take the, the bad with the good, but sometimes there's a little too much bad. Um, and, and he needs to know when it's not his night. And I think we've seen him distribute the ball well at times, like he's made some impressive passes. I, I'm really, I don't think he's necessarily a great passer. I think if, if it's there, it's there and he can make the pass. But, you know, I, I don't think he's like a, a great live ball passer or anything. But but regardless, you need to be able to, if, if it's not your night, know it's not your night and and find a way to, to get your teammates involved. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and it's that's going to be the biggest hurdle for him. And I don't think it's a quick fix either. It's not, you know, we talked with Precious. It's, it's something that maybe one or two years and you see a big difference. I don't think you can say the same about Ramsey. I think that's almost, that's probably his biggest skill swing skill is and it's not even really a skill just the the decision making and the overall just understanding like you said knowing when to just say maybe not me kind of thing yeah um so you know what what else offensively for him you know because he is that that's where he's going to make his money in the nba um you know what what else offensively do you think is is kind of important for his development yeah, uh, I, I mean, this is kind of nitpicking, but I'd like to see him be better off movement, like a little bit better. And I guess this is nitpicking. I feel like most of his damage shooting was done on like spot ups. Um, so I do want to see, you know, how he can create his own shot again, like kind of like I said with Precious, you know, one or two dribbles. What can you do? Um, and I don't know. I just didn't see enough of it is, I guess, what I would say. So and that's a big thing, because that's either that's kind of the difference between being a spark plug and being like a fourth option as a starter, you know. Right. And so what, I mean, what's a better role for him, do you think? Because for me, he totally profiles as a spark plug off the bench, you know, come off, play 20 minutes, take 10 shots and kind of, kind of start, start that scoring from the bench. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I don't think you want to draft him to be your third option. Like, that's just not who he is. Uh, And I, I do think for a winning team, it'd be a lot better to have him as uh as a spark plug um so i i do want to touch on the defense because i think i'm a bit higher on him as a defender than you are i don't necessarily like him as a defender but i think the some of the skills are there uh but but what you you start off with you know you mentioned you you really didn't like him as a defender yeah, I, I mean, it's not going to be it's not going to sound the nicest what I'm going to say. But I mean, like there are promising areas. I do think he's a good ball denier uh, off ball. I think he's a lot better off ball defensively. Uh, but there are a lot of shortcomings there, too. Uh, but on ball, I mean, decision making, he bites on he bites on almost every crossover uh, and he doesn't have the body control. I don't think he, he's easy to cross up uh, for someone at his position. Um, those two things really concern me. Um, but he bites on fakes off ball. Like he, he's just his decision-making off ball, like just as a defender in general, it's just, it needs a lot of work. I do think that that's why he would be better suited as a spark plug is because of those defensive shortcomings. Yeah. And, and I agree with that. And those are fair criticisms. Um, I think what I'll say is number one, I think, um, you know, two combined steals and blocks per game, um, is, is impressive, number one. Um, and then more so I'll say when he's locked in, I think he's at least an average 
on-ball defender. The problem is he's locked in like 5% of the time. So is he going to be able to um, focus more on the defensive side of the ball as you take a lot of offensive (laughs) responsibility off his plate? Maybe, Um, maybe not. You know, that might just be who he is. He might be someone who that's always what he's done. That's going to be what he continues to do. And you're never going to get that out of him. Um, and so if you're going to draft him, you have to be okay knowing that it's, it's offense, it's offense, it's all offense. And, you know, you, you probably get a steal here and, you know, a, a flash defensive play there, but yeah, I think ultimately, um, can he be a close to an average defender? I think he can. Um, do I think it's a likely outcome? Probably not. Um, but I think I'm kind of holding out hope that with those physical tools, with the strength he possesses, um, that, you know, maybe he can guard some twos and threes as opposed to ones. And, um, you know, you don't have to see him get crossed up so much with, with kind of that, you know, not so great lateral mobility. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I was going to ask what you thought of his highest ceiling defensively. And I do think it's like average. Uh, and I'm not too concerned or I'm not too confident, excuse me, of him reaching that. I, I do think that if you can get just inconsistency as his issue, that's probably a win on the defensive side. Yeah. Um, like if you're able just to get a couple games here and there where he's where he's playing right defensively, I think that helps. And also uh, the team that drafts him needs a rim protector like I mean, there are some teams that I, I'm, I'm blanking off the top of my head, but if you got him in Utah, for example, uh, you can make up for it because you have you have the greatest rim protector in the league. So, yeah. like that well, would Dallas, be, Dallas, Dallas, too, right? Like, yeah, Chris is an I, excellent I, rim protector. I got I got my reservations about that with how much ball watching they already do, but and not to, no, not that, to jump right. into this part, but but, but that like, same system, yeah. funnel everything to the you know to the rim protector and you know bet that they're not going to finish over him. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I do think that's, that's important for Ramsey though. I don't think a a team that just needs a score and doesn't think about the defensive side that has no rim protector can draft him confidently. Like you need to have someone behind him that can make up for his shortcomings. Sorry, Houston. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the other thing, you know, defensively that is important to mention is, you know, look up lost in the sauce and in the dictionary and you're just going to see a picture of Jemias Ramsey, like completely missing a cutter. <laughs> um, so that's something I, I can't, you know, justify. Um, he's going to have to, you know, up his IQ on both ends of the floor. Um, but again, he's not like he's a young 19. Um, you know, he's, he's not gonna, I mean, we're already at the end of October, so maybe it's obvious that he's not going to be 21 until, or 20 until next year. But, um, you know, he, he is one of the younger guys in the draft. And, and I think you, you take him with knowing what he's going to give you offensively and hoping he's got the, um, you know, hoping that he matures and that he has the work ethic you know, as he, as he ages. Yeah. And, and I was going to say, I wonder how much like, cause it can be deceiving as to what the shortcomings like stem from. Uh, cause a lot of times, you know, when you see guys like him who have so many issues or like, Oh, he's just bad. And that's what it is. Sometimes it is just maturity. And like some guys are just late bloomers in that area. And some guys have it, you know? Um, and like, we could be completely wrong on him because we don't know what his maturity process is you know, just in general, whether it's in the NBA or outside of sports. So it's hard. That's where Intel, I think, comes into play, you know? Yeah, that's the hardest part for for guys like, I mean, you know, you're kind of building that that, uh, source list up a little bit, humble brag. But, you know, for someone (laughs) like me, yeah, I'm just going based off what I I see on the court. And, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it depends on how he interviews. Um, But, you know, where – where do you currently have him ranked on your 8,000 person big board? I, I hate the fact that I have him at this number because I don't agree with the ranking. Like if I saw this on someone else's board, I'd laugh at him because he should not be this low. 
it was just there were so many people who I moved up that he was just the unfortunate guy who I was like, yeah, I can justify it. Uh, so he so didn't move to, down. Other people just moved ahead of him. Right, right. It wasn't a knock on him. Before this, I had him like 32, 33, uh, but now he's in 41, uh, which just is too low. That's just – it is too low. I don't think that's going to be my final spot with him. I'm, I'm going to find a way to squeeze him in just because the offense – it is such an offensive-minded league. Uh, you have to have him in the 30s at the worst. I I think – so I'll, I'll have him higher, but – I'm going to defend you here and say I think 25 through 45 is very interchangeable. Yep. And a lot of it depends on what you value, what you need. Um, because if if you need someone to come off the bench and give you 20 on any given night, that's a guy you need, right? And, and for a lot of playoff teams, um, you just need more scoring. Um, and, you know... Is that I think that might be da- something that Dallas could use, um, just another scorer, right? Because I think, like, you look at the key bench guys, you know, um, Maxi Brunson, uh, guys like that. You know, outside of maybe Seth Curry, like I'm not sure if there's like really a, a microwave on the bench, you know, and I, I think that's where a guy like Ramsey could come in and help you. But again, you have to go into that knowing the other shortcomings that you're dealing with. You know, the questionable shot selection, the growing pains you're going to deal with. Um, You know, Lord knows what you're getting defensively. Um, But some of the flashes are just special. Yeah. Yeah. And, I don't know if I would want him in Dallas personally, uh, just because I don't trust Dallas uh, in general, their development, unless like they get a star like Luca. Um, that does concern me. I don't know how well he'd develop under Rick, just because Rick is a hard ass. Uh, yeah. And I, and again, with the maturity, we don't know. Uh, that would have to be something that comes from interviews, uh, that if he checks out, then a whole different story, of course. But uh, I, I do have reservations. But I do like what you said, though, with the microwave. Think about how many times all these close games that the Mavs blew – they probably right. weren't in that situation if they had that microwave that it built. It's it's like a I, I don't know how to describe it, but it, it keeps the lead. So it just doesn't go away kind of thing. Right. If you just get someone who holds the lead at zero and just make sure that you're not, you know, like it's neutral. Uh, I just described I literally just <laughs> explained what the word neutral means. <laughs> but <laughs> If you get just a neutral player, like for the team's lead, like that's a that's still a win. Like if you're up 20 and when you get off, you're still up 20. You're honestly, that's fine. <laughs> like, Yeah. Um, so are there any teams that, that you immediately come to mind as like, oh yeah, they could use a player like that? Uh, so I actually, yeah, I have a few, again, I'm always going to say Washington just cause I love their play, player development. Uh, Oklahoma city could be one, you know, they have so many raw wings that are defensive minded. I do think they could use one that's offensive minded, uh, and Oklahoma city, both those two teams have great player development history. Uh, so those are two spots. I like the Lakers and then Philadelphia with three of their first they have, what, 21, 34, and 36. Any of those three, I think with that, you have a lot of room to gamble. Uh, I think those, what is that, four teams? I think those would all be good. So, you know, I know we don't always love them, but the fans do. Is there a comp you like? Yeah, so I I actually, in hindsight, I probably should have used the Ben McLemore one because I do think he'll have a similar uh, career at the worst, which is still, McLemore's been in the league, what, seven years? Uh, and, and in Houston, he found a groove. Uh, another guy, though, because I had recency bias with the bubble, uh, I put Timothy Luwawu Cabrero, who just got hot from his, from shooting. And, like, that was what he did, and it kept him on the floor. Or not really a good defender, uh, not really good anywhere else, but he was just such a good shooter that he was the microwave, and I think that's his worst. Uh, and at his best, if he gets the shot creation to come a lot better and just decision-making, I think uh, Rodney Hood is another guy. Okay. Okay. I like him. I like him. So – um, any, any final words on, uh, Mr. Ramsey? I got nothing. I think we, uh, I think we got him pretty good. All right. So let's, uh, let's hit some of these, um, some of these mailbag questions, pulling them up right now. Looks like we got several responses. So, um, Let's see what we got here. So 
let's start off with the Jeremy Grant question because we teased it um, from <laughs> CT Fazio 24. Should the Mavericks Oh, this is a pursue... trap. Why? He's a Nuggets fan. Is? He's a Nuggets fan. Okay. <laughs> should, should the Mavericks pursue Jeremy Grant in free agency? You can't see it. I'm winking, but no. Uh, yeah, no, they definitely should. Uh, and obviously, you know, my guy Tyler's going to love that answer. He's the biggest proponent, I think, on Mavs Twitter of Jeremy Grant. Yeah, uh, he's literally exactly what the Mavs need. I don't know if the Mavs actually can get him, though. They'd have to do some creative work with the cap. I agree. I, I think the Mavs are one of, you know, a dozen teams that should pursue Jeremy Grant, um, including the Nuggets. Um, I do think he's going to get overpaid. I think he's going to get close to 20 million a year and I, I can't justify that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, all right. From Nader time 78. Uh, this is an interesting one using six different players. What are your top three combinations for 18 and 31? So in other words, you can't overlap. We can't use Desmond okay. Bain every time. All right. I'll use Desmond Bain, Edmund Bain. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So I guess uh, my okay, my top scenario is, I mean, I've always said two wings is the ideal thing, ideal draft. Um, you get one potentially high ceiling, high floor guy, and I, this is it. So I'll use Desmond Bain in my first one. Get Desmond Bain and Elijah Hughes. Uh, and then my second one, uh, I really shouldn't have used Elijah Hughes that early because now i got to think of someone else. But uh, you could go another route, kind of go big. Uh, Dan Oturu at 18 and Tyler Bay at 31. Uh, and I guess the other one I would say, I've really started warming up to this guy, uh, which is Emmanuel quickly. Like the more I think about it, just he's not going to fail in this league. Like he's going to stick around and he checks a lot of the boxes for the Mavs. I would consider him at 18. Uh, and then I'd take, take a swing at the fences, take Jaden McDaniels at 31. I think those are three really big wins for the Mavs. That's the riskiest okay. one, of course. But I do think uh, quickly is someone Mavs fans should, you know, uh, potentially start thinking about at 18 because he's he's really good for what they need. And and he's someone that we've discussed on the podcast uh, with our buddy Noah Rubenstein. So um, go ahead and check that podcast out if you haven't listened to it. Uh, learn a little bit more about Emmanuel quickly. Uh, Zach Seeker asks, do you think DeLon Wright could be traded without attaching a draft pick? Uh, I want to say yes. That's hard because he the bubble was horrible for him and he was already trending down before the before coronavirus hit. Um, man, I, I think they're best off just holding on till trading him in in the middle of the season. Yeah, I think that or maybe flip him for another guy who's underperforming and just could use a change of scenery on a one year yep. deal just like he is. Um, so I, yeah, I think it's it's doable. Um, from Rain Juarez, chances we trade up in the draft to try to get Vassell, Halliburton, or Bay? So, I don't think they would do it for Vassell. I think he's going to be too out of reach. Even with the jump shot video, I think he's still kind of unattainable for the Mavs, unfortunately. Um, I do see I do see Sadiq Bay as a guy they would trade up for. He just fits the mold too much. Um, Halliburton potentially, too. Uh, that kind of depends on what they do with... Uh, with DeLon Wright, because they're very similar players. But I could see them making a trade-up, moving up three, four spots for Sadiq Bey. Like, he just seems like a Mavs guy. I, I could see it, too, especially because I feel like there's a drop-off. Um, you know, there's your Vassells, Patrick Williams, Sadiq Bey, um, Okoro to a degree, right? You kind of have those those wings, and then I think there's a drop-off. And so I could definitely see them maybe trying to jump up five or six spots to make sure that they land one of those guys, maybe whoever's left, um, probably most likely would be Sadiq Bey. Um, you know, do I have any intel or anything to, you know, verify that? No, but just based off their needs, I, that's something I could see them doing. The chances of it, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a hard one. <laughs> all right. Tyrone Bradley asks, should wing be addressed in the draft or free agency? Yes. Uh, <laughs> any three and D prospects to look out for in the draft? Uh, I mean, we just named some, um, 
if you want to touch on a couple others outside of the, you know, Vassell, Williams, City guy. Yeah. Uh, I do think they should prioritize getting a wing, especially if you're looking for 3 and D. In the draft, it's going to be so much cheaper. Just because wings are the most coveted and probably overpaid positions. Get one cost-controlled, cheap, and quickly effective. There's so many ra- wings in this range. Uh, I like Josh Green. I'm, I'm yeah. a huge fan of him. Uh, I was I mean, going to bring him up. His defense is just, I mean, even if literally nothing else happens, he's going to be an all-defense caliber player, uh, and that keeps him in the NBA. Um, his motor is just out of this world, too. So I like him. Uh, I would, I mean, again, obviously I'm the highest on this person, literally in the draft, Twitter, whatever, literally of anybody. I feel like Elijah Hughes, I do think, is a 3 and D guy. Uh, so he's another that I would keep an eye on. And, again, you could throw in quickly. I mean, he's 6'4 with, I think, the 6'9 wingspan. Uh He's got the physical tools, and he's a great shooter already. And I think the other name we we haven't mentioned yet is uh, Aaron Neesmith. He, he's more three than D, but, you know, one of the better shooters in the draft, uh, arguably the best. Yep. Um, all right, James asks, is Christian Wood going to change teams this offseason, and why should it be to the Mavs? So according to his Instagram, he asked who he should sign with. No, uh, he did not acknowledge the Pistons. Uh, I don't think he, he's not saying in the Pistons. Though. Like they have no reason to overpay him. It just doesn't fit. Uh, I would love him on the Mavs. I said it. Uh, someone pointed out an old tweet of mine uh, that was like in the middle of like November uh, saying like, oh, I'd love him on the Mavs. And little did I know that he would skyrocket. So that's probably out of the picture, even though the rumor is, you know, nine million is his market. I don't believe that. I just I don't think the Mavs have a play for him. And really, he's just not a guy that need to go out of their way to get just with what they have. Like, if you're going to go out of your way to get a big, uh, it's probably someone who is more small ball like Jeremy Grant. All right. Uh, Tommy Ehrlich, who uh, I don't know if he remembers. I used to drive him to school. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Should uh, Rick make a TikTok of his own? Rick talk. Rick talk. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, great question, Tommy. All right. Um, let's see how many more we could get. Um, rude boy. I hope you're not too rude. Uh, which is more important, drafting a defensive wing or someone who can spread the floor? Ideally, both. But yeah, if you could only choose one, what are you what are you prioritizing? What was what was the question? Sorry, cut up for a second there. Uh, which is more important, drafting a defensive wing or someone that could spread the floor? Defensive wing. Definitely yeah. a defensive wing. I mean, it was just such a it was such a shortcoming in the playoffs and in the I mean, just all season. Uh, they need that stopper because it limits. I mean, we talked about it. You can have good defenders if you only have two good defenders. They their good defense just doesn't come good defense. Like you need more than just on ball defense, you know. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think the Mavs have plenty of shooting, even if some of it they kind of die out in the bubble. Uh, we saw enough of a sample size to know that, you know, Finney Smith can shoot. You know, I think Maxie will come back and shoot well. Um, and then here's another person who can shoot. Uh, out of context, Mavs asks, is Trey Burke going to continue his impressive performance from the bubble and potentially take over Jalen Brunson's role? So I think the bubble was a little bit of a fluke uh, just because that was literally the best basketball he's ever played. Uh, I don't think he overtakes Jalen Brunson, but I do think he's back. I think he he forces J.J. Barea out, potentially. That's I what agree. I would say. I agree. Yeah. And I think they fill different roles a little yeah. bit. Like, yeah, they're both ones, but I think Brunson is more of an engine and Burke is more of a bucket getter. Yep. Um, so maybe agree. that's your microwave. Yeah. Uh Malik Monk MIP season. Chances MKG comes back, and if he does, any chance Carlisle uses him properly. I was told Carlisle uses non-shooting wings well, and MKG actually has skills. So I like MKG. Uh, For the last few years, I'd wanted the Mavs to get him. Uh, I just, I think he's too replaceable that, knowing the Mavs that they always have high turnover, I'd say no, they're not going to keep him. Uh, But if he did get a full season with Rick, I do think he'd be a lot better than he showed in the bubble. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the thing that concerns me is the um, volume of threes the Mavs take, and I don't want to see that shot that much. Sorry, MKG. Um, 
All right. Uh, DeMario has a four-team trade that sees the Celtics getting Miles Turner, the Pacers getting Hayward Bledsoe and DiVincenzo, the Bucks getting Oladipo and DeLon Wright, and the Mavericks getting TJ Warren. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, no, that's the Pacer or sorry, the Bucks would never do that. The Bucks yeah, would I mean, never it's, do that. It's not a realistic deal, but I mean, if if the Mavs could move DeLon Wright for TJ Warren, like, come on. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah no, for the Mavs, of course. Yes, that's a win. But the Bucks settle. <laughs> the Bucks yeah. really settle. Yeah. Um, all right. Here's a really good question from Playoff KP. Uh, who are you afraid of the Mavs taking at 18? Ooh, that's. I'm scared to answer this one. Uh, you go first. You choose one, and I'll choose one. I'm afraid that they are going to take John Teske. <laughs> um, man, I, I'm I'm like looking through my through my board. Hold on. Okay, I'll I'll go. I'll go. All right, go ahead. Uh, I I fear R.J. Hampton. He would be that is literally R.J.'s worst spot. I don't think he's going to be around. Um, but I I I don't think Dallas could develop him right at all. Like for a guy who needs to develop his shot and decision making, I'm not confident in Dallas being the team. It's not anything against him. It's 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 honestly against Dallas. I will say, man, <laughs> any big man other than Poku, I think, I, I just, that's not the direction I would go. Yeah. Like, I think uh, Dan Oturu, I, I wouldn't like that at 18. Um, <laughs> 31, you could talk me into it. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm all in on his upside is all. Like I, I get it. I definitely get the concerns, especially yeah. I mean I, I get it. Taking a big should not be like a forced issue. Yeah. Um I we only got a few more, so let's just hit them all. Uh here's a Richard made question from Grant. Oh, no. Is Vucevic the missing piece for the Mavs offense? No. No. No, is that because I, you don't want him out of Orlando? No, 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 or? no. Now, I no we've had this for, conversation you and I before. I would say that for Aaron Gordon. I don't have any – I mean, I used to. I, I love Vucevic. He got me through the rebuild. Uh, he was literally worth watching most nights in 2013 and all that. But, uh, no, I, I don't think so. He's he's too ball-dominant. Um, Mavs aren't good with ball-dominant centers. I agree. I think he'd be a bit of a ball-stopper. Um, yeah, I think the Mavs' best basketball is with KP at the five. Yeah. Um, Daniel Ollinger asks, why are there not more people in the Elijah Hughes highs? Yeah, so this is my guy. He's the only other person I know that's, like, as high on Hughes as me. Uh, I think it's just the Syracuse zone. The same thing, I remember, and, again, I've said the, I say these two people's names a lot together. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had a horrible reputation coming out because Louisville just didn't have good NBA players. The best player was Gorgie Jane for a little bit, you know? Uh, they just didn't have anybody. And think about Syracuse. I mean, they have Carmelo Anthony, uh, my, and then Jeremy Grant. Like those are the two big names they've had. Tyler Ennis busted. Um, I mean, it's it's not an NBA school anymore as much as it used to be. Uh, I do think the zone defense stuff, the criticism that he faces from it, is completely wrong because if you watch him, he breaks the zone for the right play. Like he doesn't. I've never seen another Syracuse player do what he does defensively in the zone. Uh, so I. I'm all in on him. Obviously, I have him 12th on my board, but I think 12. Yeah, yeah. I'm wow. All in on him. I, he is too high before. He's not going to fail. Like he, well, this could bite me in the ass. He can play this episode. back, and I'll, I'll eat my crow. But like, I just, I, I don't see a way he fails. He does everything well. Like just about everything well, unless he's like a terrible person, which I've heard the complete opposite. I, I don't see, <laughs> I don't see him <laughs> failing in the NBA. So, um, yeah, it's the Syracuse bias. Okay. Um, not, that's not to say everybody who says that uses that card is wrong. I do just think it's it's an easy card that doesn't take much work, you know. Gotcha. All right. Uh, our buddy Bibbs asks, what will your reaction be when Cassius Winston gets his chance and shows out at some point next season? I can tell you right now, my reaction, I will not be remotely surprised. Yeah, and I, I'd be happy. Like, how can you not love the guy? I just – I low-key – I mean, <laughs> let's just say it. I don't know if I want him on Dallas. Like, we – you know, we've seen too many small guards come through. <laughs> uh, but but tell me he's not a tailor-made guard for Rick Carlisle. Like, is he no, not he the is. perfect guard for him? <laughs> he is. And 
I mean, I said it on the on the episode we did with Noah again. I know he doesn't like Cassius because uh, <laughs> bias. You know, Michigan. Speaking of bias, <laughs> uh, but. You know, even he admitted, like, Cassius is going to have a, a good career, a long career. Um, he's going to be underdrafted because he's small, and teams are going to pay for it. And yep. that happens every year, and, and he's going to be the guy that happens to this year. Um, last question from Amit Patel. Where can I find this podcast? We are on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Uh, there you go. So that's all the questions that I had as of uh, 6.50 p.m. Central Time on October 24th, 2020. So <laughs> <laughs> any, uh, any final words? This was a fun episode. Yeah, I like this one. Uh, hopefully next one, uh, I think we'll be having a guest. It's a surprise. So that'll be fun. All I'm right. excited. Sounds good. Um, well, you can find Richard at Mavs Draft on Twitter. You can find his work on MavsDraft.com as well. You could uh, you could find the podcast there too. Um, and then you can find me at Jared underscore Cats thirty on Twitter. If you want more uh, NBA draft stuff, just follow Richard. I'm all over the place with my <laughs> sports takes. Um, so. I think that's all we got today. So thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you guys next time.